tapas, small plates. It's a popular cuisine style for modern restaurants, and Jose Andres is the chef that brought it to the United States. But Chef Andres has upped his game. Hundreds of thousands of meals, all for Ukrainian refugees. He's a world-renowned chef, the founder of the World Central Kitchen, a non-profit combating world hunger. He took his talents to Szymyszl, the second oldest city in Poland, but that's not why he went. Thousands and thousands of Ukrainian refugees are fleeing to Poland to escape the Russian onslaught, and Chef Andres knows they're hungry. Twelve enormous cauldrons of his famous paella prepared daily, enough to feed everyone twice over, and it's all for free. Just one small way we've seen goodness show up amidst chaos. Jesus knew all about feeding the hungry. Those twelve cauldrons remind me of twelve baskets full of fish and bread, leftovers from Jesus multiplying food for thousands. Take and eat. Rejoice in his grace. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story together that's all about Jesus. We're in the middle of a series this week called Great Expectations in Revelation. And I'm thinking of lampstands, the abyss, Armageddon, trumpets and bowls, Babylon. Symbols of these and many more fill the final book of God's Word, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It can be daunting, and many people shy away from reading it. But it is the one book in the Bible that comes with a promise for reading it. John writes in Revelation 1, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And Karen Heimbach, my friend, was inspired with a great idea as she continued reading this verse. You're especially blessed if what you hear or read, you heed, you Mm -hmm. obey. That's the major blessing. And so I thought, you know, I could, uh, I could, be that voice that reads the scriptures to them and do it in in such a way where it would be palatable to the listener Mm -hmm. and they would just get it. That's Karen Heimbach from Hollywood's Church in the Way. And in just a moment, we're going to hear more from her dynamic reading of the Revelation. Feeling called by God to memorize the book, she recites the entire book of Revelation set to a musical score performed by the world-renowned London Symphony Orchestra. The revelation is compelling, it's an unforgettable worship experience, and it's brought to life in a powerful two-CD set. As you listen to God's Word spoken aloud with an amazing orchestra underneath, I know you'll be blessed, because the Bible says you will be. After the program, I'd like to send you this two-CD set of the revelation for your gift to Haven Today. It's an expensive production, but so worthwhile. So your generous gift to this listener-supported ministry will be a blessing to us and to you. So call us, won't you, after the program at 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836, or go online and check out a short feature on our website about the making of the Revelation Project, and then send your gift And you can do that when you visit us at haventoday.org. One word, haventoday.org. And one more thing before we start this program. $50 feeds a family of five for a week. 
and there are millions in Ukraine who need help right now. So pray boldly with me, but also give boldly, as we're sending 100% of your gifts to refugees in the name of Jesus, not a dime for Haven. Ask about it when you call. Learn more about it online at haventoday.org. And now let's open with all things new. This old earth is fading. So we watch. 
Nicole Sponberg here on this Haven Today, All Things New, on a program that we're calling Great Expectations in Revelation. In these few minutes together, we're going to be looking at one of the most picturesque descriptions of the final day in all of Scripture. Now, this juxtaposes the fall of the evil world system that opposes the Church of Jesus Christ, pictured as the great prostitute with the consummation of the Church's union with Christ. There will be a wedding day. Even now, the Church is already called the Bride of Christ, but the big day is yet to come. The thing on the to-do list after a couple gets engaged is what? They set a date. And that's what we all want to know. I know that. When's the big day? But this is a wedding day we can't set the date for. This hasn't stopped people from trying, but time and again, it's proven to do more harm than good. On the line with us from San Diego and Bethel Seminary is Dr. Mark Strauss. He's a New Testament scholar, but more than that, he's a Bible translator. And Mark, thank you so much for joining us again. My pleasure, Charles. I was just reading this the other day, and I never knew this, of how through the centuries, even Christian scholars, maybe some were not such scholars, but Christians have tried to date the return of the Lord. One of the early Christian leaders, Taconius, dated Christ's return for 381 A.D., and of course, it didn't happen. Did it happen more than just 381 A.D.? Has it happened all the way through the centuries? And what do you think about trying this kind of an approach to um, the return of the Lord, dating his return? Well, yes, it has. It's happened throughout throughout history, and you can you can um, trace the whole trajectory of church history and see time and time again into the modern era. As you said, it has been destructive for the Christian faith. I think Jesus made it clear when he said in his, his discourse on the Mount of Olives that even the Son did not know the time of his return. Only the <laughs> Father knew. The angels didn't know. The Son didn't know. And so we should not be setting dates. Uh, it's, it's not for us to decide or to determine. Jesus said at the beginning of the book of Acts, of course, his, his disciples were expecting the kingdom to arrive now that he'd, he's risen from the dead. And they said, is it at this time that you're going to establish the kingdom? And Jesus said, again, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons uh, that the Father has established. So we've been commanded not to do that, not to set dates. But I do think it has been destructive throughout church history, because because often it changes people's behavior in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, it, for example, of, of the Millerites in the um, 1800s. Who, uh, William Miller was a Baptist preacher who became convinced through a, a series of numerology, basically, that he could determine the exact day. The Millerites, then his followers, many of them sold their property. They went out to the proverbial hill and waited for Christ to return, what followed was known as the Great Disappointment, as, as of course, Christ did not return. Many lost their livelihood. Many lost their faith over, over this. And so mm. it has been a destructive influence throughout history when people try to set dates and don't do what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, which is, it's not for you to know the time. Instead, you will be my witnesses, proclaiming the gospel message to others. That's to be our focus, not to, not to become obsessed with date setting and trying to establish specifics. That is a Bible translator and a New Testament scholar in San Diego, Dr. Mark Strauss. We've had him on the program before. The great disappointment has happened far too often. If we stop setting dates and instead wait for the Lord expectantly, bearing witness to the salvation found in Jesus, 
while inviting others to this coming feast. Whenever the day comes, we'll be better by far. Now, I've already said this week that revelation is meant to be heard, meant to be seen with the mind's eye as we hear the vision John received. Why is this picture of the wedding feast so rich and powerful? Well, I want you to listen to Revelation 19, 1 through 10, and then I want us to think about it together. In the New International Version, English translation, the heading for this reading is Threefold Hallelujah Over Babylon's Fall. After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen! came from the throne saying praise our God all you his servants you who fear him both small and great then I heard what sounded like a great multitude like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for our Lord God almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Karen Heimbach, from her two CD set called The Revelation, reading Revelation 19, 1 through 10, music played underneath by the London Symphony Orchestra and recorded at the Abbey Road Studio. We often think of the marriage supper of the Lamb on its own, but hearing it in context helps to highlight just what a big deal it is. The fall of Babylon was announced in Revelation 14.8. Now it's finally happened. And in chapter 19 of Revelation, God's people rejoice in our victory? No, God's victory. As my friend Dr. Dennis Johnson, another New Testament scholar, puts it, with the kingdom comes the wedding, with the destruction of the harlot comes the presentation of the bride. Let's consider a few things together from Revelation 19. First, what is this picture of an evil woman represented throughout the book of Revelation as Babylon and a great prostitute? What does that image mean? There are, of course, many different approaches to interpreting Revelation and where to place various things in John's vision on the timetable of what's to come. I'm not trying to advocate one view from another here, but there is one thing scholars from differing viewpoints agree on. It's the big picture. Whether speaking of something yet to come in the future or something that's already going on in the world, the heart of the matter 
with what the vision depicts as Babylon is idolatry, false worship, rebellion against God. As John MacArthur points out, before it was called the ancient city of Babylon, there was right there in the same place as the city, the more ancient Tower of Babel, a scene of outright defiance against God and a people filled with pride. And we know God stopped that pride in its tracks. I could not help but think of that when I was in the ancient city of Nimrud, mentioned in Genesis 10. It's where Nimrod would walk out and walk up to the top of a tell or a, a large hill and would shake his fist at Almighty God and say, I'm stronger than you. And so to first century Christians being oppressed and persecuted, they could connect immediately with this image of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, that ancient empire that had long ago persecuted God's people in the Old Testament. So wherever you place it on a timeline, the truth of Babylon's fall is God's victory over evil over the impurity and faithlessness that stands against God and against his people. It's right in the middle of the hallelujah chorus over God's victory and evil's fall that we find a different woman described, a pure bride made ready for this wedding feast. Revelation 19, 6 through 8, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us reign and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. The first woman is described as impure, leading the world into impurity. But the bride that I just described in reading Scripture is described in fine linen, bright and clean, The cup of God's wrath was poured out against the first woman, but the bride is welcome to a rich feast in the presence of the Lord. The first woman representing those who serve idols and oppose God, she doesn't fear the Lord, but in chapter 19, verse 5, God's servants are called those who fear God and praise his name. Those are the ones who God blesses with an invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb. There's an interesting line at the end of verse 8. It describes the fine linen that's given to the bride. We read, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. That might make you a little uncomfortable. Is John saying that we earn our place at the feast? That we stand in the presence of the Lord by our own good works? No, no. That's not what he's saying at all. The voice John hears says, His bride has made herself ready, but in the same breath says that this fine linen dress of righteousness was given to her to wear. The language draws from Isaiah 61.10, where Jesus is the one speaking, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. That righteousness given to Christ is given to us in him. All who believe in Jesus are called his bride, and we await that wonderful day to come, come soon, when we finally see him face to face. 
celebrating together this rich feast of mercy and grace that He is giving to us. When the stars burn down and the earth wears out and we stand before the throne with the witnesses who have gone before we will rise and all applaud called The Worship Initiative and The Stars Burned Down by Shane and Shane here on Haven Today. Well, as you've heard already this week, there is only one book of the Bible that comes with a promise of blessing, despite the images that can escape us when we first read it. Revelation 1-3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what's written in it, because the time is near. As we listen to this inspired revelation of God's Word, written to show us Jesus and God's victory over evil through Christ, we are blessed. Would you like to be blessed? 
Would you like to be encouraged that the return of Christ is soon? Then I want to send you right away a copy of a two-CD set called The Revelation by my friend Karen Heimbach. It is so well produced, but it was also expensively produced. But I really want to get it to you so that you can benefit from this powerful presentation, listening to God's Word being spoken aloud. I know it'll be a blessing for you because the Bible says it will be. So why don't you call us right now? And please be generous to this listener-supported ministry. Our number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836, or head over to our website and watch the special short feature on the making of the Revelation Project with Karen Heimbach talking about the project and behind-the-scenes footage with Karen recording live in the Abbey Road studio. Our website is haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And one last thing. We're sending 100% of your gifts to Eastern Europe to feed those in need. Our partner, Mission Eurasia, is on the ground handing out bread and sharing about the bread of life. They've now given over 11,000 food baskets. $50 feeds a family of five for a week. How much can you give? To help in the name of Jesus. Ask about that when you call or read more when you visit haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we'll be sharing together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. It seems like every day we're reminded that the end of everything is near. But every day as we hear from newscasters and theologians, worry about the end is what we hear. Jesus did say, no one knows the day or the hour, but the anxiety remains. When will it happen? When it does, will we be ready? For Christians, this anxiety shouldn't dominate our days. Philippians 4 telling us to be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer, present your requests to God. You don't need to worry. Jesus is the one who hears from heaven. And if we trust in him, he will move to overcome our hearts with peace. Good words. For more words, visit GetAnchor.com.